it was like, I honestly thought the talent pool must be weak for them <laughs> to hire someone who just started in radio. So I was 25 to answer your question seven minutes later. That's all right. I, I often find myself saying, well, my uh, long answer to your very short question, whenever right. anybody <laughs> asks me a, a, anything. Um, I, uh, so you, were you journalism or were you radio? Like what, I was like, radio. You're radio. I, had no, I was not a journalist. I had no business <laughs> pretending to be one. I was just a hard, uh, just like a, a solid radio news writer. I had no, you know, with some basic journalism right. uh, skills that I learned in radio school. But no, I wasn't a journalist at all. So, but, but what did you go to school for? Oh, I, I studied um, history at uh, Concordia University. Oh, wow. Which set me up for nothing. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then I left uh, before I even graduated because everybody was going into law. And then um, nobody invited me into their study groups, which told me Aww. right away I was, I w- well, because I, again, I like to party. It was Montreal. You know? <laughs> and um, I uh, decided I wanted to go into radio. And then I went to Algonquin College and I moved to Ottawa to study uh, Algonquin College radio broadcasting. Radio broadcast. And did you finish that one? Fuck off, Bob. Yes, I did. All right. That's fine. I didn't. <laughs> hey, I didn't. I didn't finish. I didn't even start. I didn't I do did. radio. I didn't do radio at all. No, I know. You were like one of those. You, we literally got you off the streets. <laughs> it's true. You were literally found on the streets of Toronto. And I you was. Were what, you were what we would call kind of a diamond in the rough. One of those people who just really wanted it. And it's, it, that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, you have to have some kind of a resume to get into radio now. It was uh, the, the, hum- the Humble and Fred intern program or whatever. It wasn't even called that, but the Humble and Fred had all these interns and most of them went on to jobs within some sort of broadcasting or, or media or like, but you had to want it. Like you said, you, you like, literally I was listening to the rate. Well, actually it was my girlfriend at the time. Who's now my wife was listening to the radio. And she said, Humble and Fred need an intern. Shawarma is leaving uh, to go produce live in Toronto with Strombo and Kim Hughes. That's and, right. Um, I think yeah, anyway. And so I, they said, email Howard. You guys still had like edge.passport.ca web, uh, like uh, email addresses. And I got on my, like I had an AOL account, right? So like, that's the years we're talking about. Anyways. What, what year was that? I started in 1997. That was 98 so, for me. So it was right away. So I was still doing the afternoons, Bob. I didn't uh, actually... Um... But really? 1995, what fucking year did I start at the edge? No. 1997. And then in 1990, I don't even know. No, in, I, 90, in 98, when I started there, you, uh, you were doing the news. I could, because I can remember you had your little booth, uh, here up in the uh, 16th floor. So, and we had a TV screen so we could see that, make sure you were in there. Jason Barr, danger boy taught me how to do the board. And, um, I got, that was my, you know, one of my first regular things was filling in for him because everybody else couldn't handle Howard. And, uh, I, I was lucky enough to, uh, be able to figure it out. And, okay. I just remembered the math, Bob. Okay. I did start in 1995 with Alan Cross in 1997. That's they, when you went. They, they gave me permanent mornings after Mary Ellen Benninger had moved on to her All own right. show. At right. Y108 or Y105. It would have been probably Y95 at that point. It was in Hamilton. I know that. Yeah. And she went off to do her own thing. And they uh, gave me morning news and morning traffic, which was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's insane. It was insane. It was just, it was, it was timing. Timing is everything. So uh, I got real lucky. And then that's when we met. Yeah. Yes. That, that is, and like that change from, well, first of all, let's talk about the change. And cause you've been doing it for a long time. Let's talk about the change of doing mornings and just how, hard it is on your body and on your life. 
because it really is. I did it for a long time. You've done it for a lot longer. How like it? It's hard. 1997 we've established yes I've been the doing year morning. was 1997 in fact I often refer to 1997 as the last time I got a good night's sleep yeah um yeah you know you know the deal you uh, people people think it's very glamorous you're doing morning radio and it's so much fun and you're there when I wake up but it's like yeah but I go to bed at like eight o'clock before like like a toddler every, <laughs> every night um, I, I never really had the luxury of putting my own children to bed when they were growing right. up. So there right. was that sacrifice. I never had the luxury of putting my kids on the school bus in the morning. So that was a set. Those are the two things that kind of hurt you the most. That, was, that family time. That morning. Yeah. Morning, especially. Um, I was, I don't think I, I only, I had it, my Evangeline, my, my 11 year old. Now I was doing mornings at proud FM for a little while, but not too long. I didn't miss too much. I ended up going into, you know, management. So I ended up doing, you know, the nine to five thing, but yeah, those missing those mornings must've been hard. Those more, those I look back now. And when you're, you know, my kids are 18 and 20 now and I, you know, I get nostalgic now because it's also first day of school. Yeah. Times. They're both in college. And I look back and I think of all the the breakfasts that I never made for yeah. my children, you know, and all the bedtime stories, maybe they missed from me because of morning radio. But, you know, on the upside, um, I was able to take them to all their doctor's appointments and do yeah. all that fun shit. Uh, and I was um, able to spend every afternoon with them when they got off the school bus and have that little time, that little chunk of time. So, well, that, I mean, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, mornings, don't get me wrong. It's hard because it's hard on your body. And like you said, you have to go to bed early. And if you, dare to go to a concert or a sporting event you feel like garbage the next day maybe for a couple days um but it's still pretty good you still do get home before noon every day pretty much right? you know it's, it's pretty, pretty good, good. That's but you know it's funny when you think about all the events that you get invited to especially here in ottawa ottawa has more events per capita than any other city in the country because we're a government town so right. you know we like to celebrate ourselves here a lot and, uh, and that kind of thing. And Ottawa has great parties and whatever. But literally, if you if you invite me to a party, it better be the best fucking party for me to <laughs> sacrifice my sleep and sacrifice the quality of the morning show the next day because you don't know how it's going to go. And I'll probably suffer another day too because I'm just getting old. So it's like it, there's, there's, it's I have it's to right. It, it's got like uh, like there's certain concerts you know that you'll be like okay Foo Fighters are in town fuck that it's gonna be an all night we're going we're going we're going. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to that yes but if it's some band that you know the guys from Warner Music say hey you gotta check out sorry it's not gonna happen it's like then it's like I gotta sleep sorry <laughs> uh, so yeah it, it takes a toll on your um on your on your body too and, yeah. and then you know as you get older it becomes I always say November is the world's worst month for me because it's dark uh, it's just fucking dark all the time in November and it's hard to be happy in November. It's just really hard to be happy. And then Interesting. It gets, yeah. And it gets dark sooner. I, I struggle with November and the older I get, Oh, Bob, Oh, that kill me. Oh, it's, <laughs> no, it's funny. I, I never thought of November. I, I mean, I could totally see it. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, if you don't, if Christmas is something coming up at, at that point, I guess, but uh, I could totally see that when you, uh, when you started, you were doing news with Alan cross. Um, that was just straight ahead doing news at the top and bottom. You're doing traffic reports too. Oh yeah. 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 And I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It was the most terrifying. Did, time you, know, of my did, life. did you have to learn how to pronounce all the streets and stuff? Oh, <laughs> you know, and the edge listeners were a, a finicky and fickle bunch. They took no shit for any mistakes. 
And sadly, we had that line where people could call and record themselves. Input and 102. Input 102, where people would call and just say shit. It was basically <laughs> the Twitter of its day. It really where was. Where you could call and just say the shittiest things. And I remember them. <laughs> I remember one day I was doing sports. The fuck do I care about sports? I ripped and read it off the, you know, at the wire yeah. at the time. I'm like the Maple Leafs. I don't know what the fuck I did. I got it wrong. And I, I remember that was the first time I'd been called to see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Wow. And I was like, that is, I get it, Maple Leafs fan. All right. I, yeah. get it. I will not make a mistake. So, how there. did you, did you go through the input 102 line yourself to hear it? No, like they played it for it me. A, yeah. oh, they, play, they think I'd laugh, but I was, I was a 25 year old right. baby who was just really just terrified every single day for about a year um, until I got comfortable. And then to have somebody say these things about you, it's oh like my career is over because I don't understand the Maple Leafs. <laughs> did you, uh, <laughs> did you have any, uh, like, did you do any interactions with Alan or was it pretty much pretty separate? Well, Alan would invite you. Alan didn't need anybody. I was just there, right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was so great. He would, um, in, if you know, his my boss was Mary Ellen Benninger, who right. worked on the Humble and Fred show, who was married to Alan. Yes. And she was very funny. So it was just a funny little dynamic. Uh, first of all, those two were like the cutest. They were so cute. <laughs> he would tell me hilarious stories about his dog, and she would like tell me the same story the next time I would see her. I'd be like, I know, I know everything. I got it. I got it. Yeah. It was hilarious. But (laughs) I was told you're not going to crack that mic unless he invites you to speak. Right. And the odd time he would say, I'm going to talk about this. This is what I need from you. And I'd be like, okay, Mr. Cross. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'd like, fuck it up somehow. I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you didn't. You ended up on the morning show. You mustn't have fucked it up. Bob, I ended up on the morning show because I filled in on the morning show. Yeah. They didn't just snatch me or think I was the greatest thing in the world by listening to my shitty fucking nope. traffic in the afternoon. Nope. Nobody would have thought, well, there's a star in the make. Nobody thought that. No, but, <laughs> but they liked you. And look, as that, that little cabal, that humble and Fred cabal is tight, right? Like they, they like who they like and they don't like who they don't like. Fuck and, yeah. and, they make, and they make no secret of it. They made no secret. As they've gotten older, they've changed it. They've softened a bit. But I mean, it was a it was a it was a fraternity, right? Like it was like it was you, you had to get in and they started bringing you in as a part of the show, though. Like, was that pretty much right away? Was that when you were uh, filling in as well? I mean, we I remember doing Dateline Humble and Fred. You'd bring in all these uh, wacky news stories, which, you know, now are everywhere on the Internet. But at the time, you couldn't you had to search for those things. And like, yeah. how did that how did that happen? Do you remember kind of when yeah. that started? I was filling in for Mary Ellen when she would go on vacation. So I would just continue doing what she did. They invited her on to do similar things. So I would just fill in and, you know, do what she did. I t- totally took her lead and listened a lot to how, how it went. And uh, yeah, Humble and Fred just invited me in. And you talk about that, that special club. That was a club that I've never wanted to be a part of more. That was such a, I, I, I was so like, happy that I fit in. I was so happy that they took me under their win, wing. They, there was a certain amount of protection. Uh, I felt like, you know, they like me. I'm just a stupid fuck who still doesn't know what she's doing, but somehow, some way yeah. um, we get along and I know how to get along with Humble and Fred. And I mean, I'm, I'm a old school radio broad. Um, I'm not a, for lack of a better word, um, s- snowflake. Right. Yeah, I can. Handle You're tough. Listening. You got to be I, tough. I can handle listening to a dick joke, and quite frankly, those are my favorite jokes. <laughs> um, 
so I enjoyed the comedy. I yeah. enjoyed I enjoyed it from the second I walked in, and I learned a, about a million lessons on how to do Good Morning Radio from those two. And my God, I I've never laughed so hard in my life. I was just it was a fucking comedy show off oh. here as much as it was on the air, right? I saw Howard for ten minutes last week. And we killed ourselves laughing for the entire 10 minutes, like just ridiculous. Um, it was like that. It was it was it was. Yeah, I, I don't remember laughing harder at any job I've ever had as I did there, <laughs> mostly off air. On air was funny, too. But off air was just you mentioned the word snowflake. Here's a change. Imagine some of those conversations that were had now in a workplace you could not get away with. And look, and these are, you know, I mean, th- th- I mean, this is not that long ago. It's 20. 20 plus years ago it's not that long ago and the well let's face it inappropriateness of that workplace was insane it was <laughs> it was hilarious but you had if you wanted to play you had to you had to let it all hang out and you had to be unafraid of throwing it out yeah. but when it came back, it like, back it was, in. holy shit you had to be ready for it and it was had- yeah that's where i developed a very a very thick skin, but it was, there was some painful moments too. Like we all took our shit on that show. I wasn't treated any special because I was a woman and that's why I liked it. Right. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there were moments uh, and it's a high pressure situation. Um, This is pre PPM. If you're a radio person, this is diary market. So like, as a like, the diaries were so when we were in ratings, it was so important. Everything, you know, again, today's the first day after Labor Day, as Freddie P would say, time to get serious. Right. It was always like, it's time to get serious. Here we go. And uh, it, it, but it was, there were tears, there were tears from people, you know? And uh, would you say that your time in that it's like pretty much a boys club prepared mm-hmm. you for the rest of your career? Oh, <laughs> When I, uh, when I left Humble and Fred, I felt fully fucking invincible. And I said, no other radio man is ever going to make me cry again because right. I, got, I got no tears left. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, is untrue. There were other radio men sure. that have made me cry. <laughs> but um, uh, I felt fully and utterly prepared to launch my own career and I, I understood how to do a morning show. They, they taught me the cardinal rule of radio. Um, well, there's about 20 rules I learned, but the first one, and I follow it still, is the show doesn't start at 5.30. The show starts when you walk into that fucking room. Yeah. That is, the, you have to have the right attitude. Yeah. You have to be funny. You have to be in the right place. And whatever you do off the air, don't worry about it. All, all that energy is, is part of the show. So I f- fundamentally believe that I have to come in uh, guns blazing at four o'clock in the morning every day. And I do. I think I've seen some uh, viral videos of that, of you scaring people in your, uh, in your, in your office and whatnot oh. early in the morning. Oh yeah. I should mention, they also taught me how to be a complete asshole, <laughs> which I am. Well, Bob, are we going to tell the story about you that you told me in a very nice way? Which story about how you? Owe, how you basically owe your career to me? Yes. Oh, you want to, you want to tell that story? Yes. Okay. That was my favorite story because quite frankly, I don't remember it until we saw each other. We saw each other a year and a half ago in Jamaica of all places. Yep. Right before, uh, right before the pandemic hit, we were down there with sandals and I was with bell. You're with Rogers and it was a a great time to catch up. Usually we, we, we would see each other at CMW here and there and be, Hey, and that's it. So it was nice. We actually had like a full meal together and we hung out 
And uh, yeah, okay. So <laughs> hang on. Let me let me park. So so let me park what I was gonna say, which was you talked about radio men making you cry, and I wanted to talk to you about the changes in radio not being an old boys club anymore. And so let's let's hang on to that for a second. It might still be an old boys club, but I, think- I was going to say, of course, it's an old fucking boys club, Bob. Where the fuck have you been? I have all my all my last bosses have been females. My boss now is a female. My boss before that was a female. My OK, that was it. But still, those are my last two jobs. Anyhow. Um, right. So uh, the year. Yeah. So again, so 98. So you've been on the Humble and Fred show for two years at this point or somewhere around there a yeah. year, a year or so. And uh, they call for the, uh, they call for uh, interns. Um, I come in, um, Howard immediately names me Bingo Bob right away, but they have these other guys coming in too. And this, this fella comes in, um, again, talk about inappropriateness. His nickname was little Ravi Shankar. Um, you could figure out why. Um, I, and, uh, but you talked about the, 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 how the, the, I, I mentioned it was like a fraternity. Um, and we talked about the inappropriateness. There were uh, always strange things going on in there that, you know, would be completely unacceptable now, including unacceptable. unacceptable. Uh, like, for instance, you know, Fred, Fred Patterson, you know, once took his sack out and put it on Howard's shoulder uh, during while they were on the air. Uh, I remember. For instance, um, I actually that was pre me. I never saw that. That was pre me. I, I never saw it. I thankfully I didn't have my glasses on, but I saw skin. I so, did he did pull out his yeah, junk and put yeah, it on. on Howard's shoulder. <laughs> um so that'll give you an idea of the level of uh humor that was happening. Uh and comfort and the comfort that we had, but you had to earn that comfort. And so oh, yeah. So what happened was they actually didn't choose me to be to be the humble and Fred intern. Um, they went with this guy, Little Ravi Shankar. He had a marketing background. He went to Queens. He was passionate about radio. I was literally, like you said, a kid off the street. I was a bingo caller and a DJ on a boat in the harbor. Like I was like, you, there's no reason to hire me. I'm not, you know, I'm not a radio person at all. Uh, I was not here for this this uh, event, but um, again, all all kinds of crazy things. But you had to earn your spot. And at w- this new guy, his real name was Mark. Um, Mark decided one day he thought it would be funny to dry hump you. Um, as like, cause as, as he had seen humble Howard do so many times <laughs> <laughs> off there, just like give, give you a little hug and then, you know, a little extra. Uh, I'd be which, sitting at my table, like writing the news. He'd come and he'd give me a hug and then he'd pretend to dry on me. I'd be like, oh, fuck off. And we'd laugh. We'd move on with our day. It was just, it was so fucking hilariously stupid. And again, if he did and that harmless. today. Totally at, harmless. At that time, harmless, right? At the time, oh, I knew where it, totally. At the time, I knew it was a, listen, any kind of love I got from Howard, I wanted. Yes. Because I adored the man and I worshipped his comedy. I worshipped his comedy. Yes. So uh, anyway, so yes, I told, I accepted the dry home thing. <laughs> I can um, So uh, anyways, this guy, uh, this, uh, the story goes, uh, Humble and Fred called me or emailed me after they said, basically, I got an email that said, Mark is a dink. The job's yours if you want it. And that was it. H. That, that was the email from, and then I found out afterwards, yeah, this guy, he was just a little too comfortable too soon. And he dry humped you and you went to Howard and said, you hated that guy. And that's it. He was gone. And thanks to you hating that guy and his stupidity, thinking that he could hump 
dry hump Sandal Plagakis. You can't just fucking come in and that can't be your opening fucking move. Like a couple weeks in, or like what makes you think you can do that? Just because you see other people doing it, you got to earn that. You can't. I, I listen. Had we had he waited maybe six more months, I would have been. I would have accepted a dry hump from him. You maybe. can't just come in and come in and dry hump <laughs> humping bla- humps blazing. Fuck that. No. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even remember the story. I vaguely remember the, the draw. There was so much drama on the show all the time. So it was just one of many things that were happening. But you're welcome anyway. I believe. Yes, that's thank you very story. much. Because because you didn't like this guy for very legitimate reasons. I ended up being the Humble Fred intern. And then I ended up working with Martin Streak in the clubs and uh, worked with Phil Evans, Captain Phil in the promotions department. And off we go and ended up going with Humble and Fred to Mojo Radio when we when we left there. I remember because the they uh, they had given me the choice if I wanted to come over to Mojo Radio, too. Or right. I wanted to stay and work with Dean Blundell. And um, I was very tormented because I didn't think that Mojo was, you know, it was funny. It, they acted like they gave me a choice. And then in the end, I was going to choose to stay where I was. Uh, and then they told me, yeah, you're staying where you are anyway. I'm like, okay, good oh, thing. Okay, great. You, yes. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I don't, I actually don't remember that. How was your time there with that? Was that because, you know, Dean had a, had a, uh, had a reputation, uh, then for not being the easiest guy to work with. Was that, that was, how was that change going, being at that age, going from, from the humble and Fred show to a whole new show, although not all, all new Jason Barr was there and there was a few yeah. other people but. and Todd Shapiro, Todd Shapiro. Right. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I've heard the stories of Dean and I did not have that experience with yeah, him. Yeah, okay. Dean was, uh, very, very lovely to me from, I mean, let's all be honest. When he started the show, I was pregnant. So he was smart enough not to fuck with a <laughs> pregnant lady. Uh, he was, if he was, he was wonderful. Like I thought, okay. I thought he, he played a, a real fuck face on the radio real well, but he, yes, he I didn't. Did. I did not find him to be a fuckface to me off the air at all. Um, he was honest. He was gentle with me. He was kind with me and he wasn't aggressive or shitty. I didn't find that at all. I went on maternity leave. This man accepted a job with a pregnant lady and he was like, yeah, it's great. I think it's wonderful. Go on that leave. So there was no stress. It was, it was fine. And then um, that's right. And then I got pregnant uh, the second time and um I announced I was leaving the edge at that time when I was uh, r- r- pregnant, when I was like two months pregnant, I, I left. You were out. I was only, I only worked with him for less than two years. Right. And you left for various reasons or like, personal? no, I left, uh, I left because fuck you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I left because um, at the time, my first husband uh, was, is from Ottawa. Right. which is where I met him. Yes. He wanted to go back to Ottawa because we found it really challenging to live in a city with no family and a new baby and another baby. Right. So at the time um, they were launching a new radio station, hot 89.9 right. to be the morning show. And uh, I got the gig and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Oh yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. I made like a stop at that radio station for um, like a year and nine months or something like that. And then kiss came and knocking. And my morning show at the time, we all did the unthinkable and crossed the street. Cross the street because you a were move, talent because they because, wanted you. It, because it was a move. Honestly, there's been a lot of questions asked over the years whether or not I regret that move because we left a very successful situation to go to a situation right. that has never reached that success. Right. And people are like, you fucking idiots. Why would you leave or whatever? I did have my reasons. And it was still to this day, the best decision I have ever made professionally. And it was scary as fuck. It was so scary. Well, you're 17 years with, 
Rogers and it was Kiss Now. So that's pretty good. It worked out all right. That yeah, like that I, that kind of longevity doesn't really exist uh, anymore. Like that that, yeah. that you're you're the rarity now. It's one of the reasons I came to Kiss is because I knew that they were targeting a big. I was so tired of eighteen to thirty four yeah. that demo, and I was pushing thirty one, thirty two, and I'm like, it's time to grow the fuck up, and. Right. Uh, you know, I, I want to grow, grow the, the fuck, fuck up, up. Yeah. and I want to stop talking to, you know, when I worked at hot, the whole, the whole morning show was 12 year old kids calling to request, oh. um, 50 cent. <laughs> like that wow. was the whole fucking thing. <laughs> and I was just so tired of fucking children calling all morning. And I went, I got to grow up and I got to, I want to, I want a station that talks to m- m- people like me and I would probably serve them better. So that's why I made the move. And I think it was a good one. Uh, how do you, how would you characterize um, the changes in our industry uh, uh, in the, when it comes to like management and stuff? Uh, going back to the, the female thing, like I like I find I think that, uh, you know, I know Bell is doing a terrific job hiring women in programming uh, um, positions. Rogers, you know, Julie Adam was always very oh, yeah. high a v- a VP. Yeah. Um, what, what, what's your what's your take on the, uh, you know, old boys club, as it were? Um, you're right. The, the industry has done well in hiring women in big positions. And, you know, you think of Julie Adams, Sarah Cummings, they're, they're freaking rock stars, you know, and there's a million uh, women who are upper management who are killing it as well. But at the same time, my biggest issue isn't with women who kind of run the company and, uh, and I wouldn't take anything away from them. My biggest issue is the lack of female representation that we still see in radio. I am still appalled when I do a, a, I graze radio morning shows across the country mm-hmm. and still appalled how many all male morning shows there are and get away with it. And they're great morning shows. Don't get me wrong. Great morning shows. But I still say, where the fuck is a chick in there? And I'm, I'm so, you know, I say chick, I, I say that from a 1997 <laughs> I can't say that. Show. No, no, no. Yeah. No, but I just no, say I to myself, why, why do we live in this world where women are, Women have emerged as, I'm going to say, the, um, the kind of the, the, the heart of radio. Many years ago, you know, when you listen to radio, you'd hear that big voice, that, that, that big male announcer. Oh, voice. yeah, 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 for sure. And women would come in and we would be like the traffic, the news, the giggle girls. But yeah. over time, the audiences smartened up and they realized that women really have the... Um, women were more capable of authenticity at the time because many men thought that they just had to be big voice jocks and they didn't have to talk about real right. things. And I think women have emerged as stars in the business because we, we can be the heart of a morning show that way. We can talk about our feelings in a way that a lot of male broadcasters, they can talk about it, but they've been taught not to. Um, so I, I think it's unfortunate that there aren't more women who are in more predominant roles in morning radio there. Fair enough. You know, uh, I, I, I can see that for sure. I mean, you're, you're right. Mostly you go, you know, in major markets, you go across the dial. Middays is always a girl. Middays is a woman and uh, drives are usually usually men. Um, I think that's I think it's changing. I think it's getting better. I know my two stations in Kingston, my morning shows are both women. Um, so that's I'm happy about that. That makes I'm me happy about that. Too. That makes me happy. Um, but I think of I think of like major market radio yeah. stations and I, I think, where's the female leads? Where are they? There are some, of course, some big, unbelievably talented. Yes, women. of course. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's just it's not it's still not the um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's still not the, the, rule, the, the not the standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's not. And I wish it were. 
Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of problems in our industry, though. So you know, like for, like other like in, in general, we have a lot of problems. I think, um, including, you know, I, never before. I've been saying this to my staff. Never before in the history of radio has what is on between the songs been more important than now, because the songs yeah. are because the songs are available everywhere. Right. The songs are available. Nobody, you don't need to listen to your, you don't need to listen to Kiss to get those songs. Right. You don't even need to listen to Kiss to learn about those new songs. Right. Because YouTube will do that for you or Spotify. They'll just do that. So what you're doing is more important now than ever before, I think. I agree. I think that, uh, I think it's a very exciting time to be talent in radio if you come at it from the right way. Um, and With the right come- boss. With the right boss, and you have to have a lot of creative freedom. Yeah. Uh, it has to be a good collaboration. You have to have a boss that supports you and um, supports your idiotic ideas and uh, lets you fail and make mistakes. And so you all learn yep. from them. So a good boss that way, hands-on, but knows to be hands-off when it's time to. Oh, my God. It's such a, it's such a delicate thing, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, you know, one of the reasons I, like, I think I'm a decent program director is because of all those years with humble and Fred and knowing when uh, that's the, that, you know, the, like you said, they laid the foundation for everything for you on how to do a good morning show. They, that, that, that show in my experience there really laid my foundation on the, what, you know, the, that, that gentle balance, as you say, between, you know, the, there's the word, the micromanaging program director uh, or general manager, depending on where you are. And then the, uh, and letting the talent go and, and have their fun. And also the other thing too, is knowing, the talents uh how long they've been in the game for too right giving them some giving them the uh giving them the benefit of the doubt because they've been at it for so long it's different than working with kids like something with kids it's a a totally different game on how to help them grow i think right again as long as i never wanted here's not that you asked but i never as a pd or our program manager whatever it is i am now i never wanted to be sitting on my side of the desk and think and the person on the other side think, I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. You're right. I, I didn't ask. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think because how many times have you sat across from somebody and go, this fucking guy doesn't know what he's talking about? Oh, <laughs> how many times? Oh, fuck. Oh, a lot. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, so uh, kiss Ottawa. Um, you mentioned having children and obviously when it comes to the idea of change, having children is about the biggest change you can have in your life. And then you move to Ottawa while you have two babies. Uh, I was pregnant with one. Well, oh my right. God. We were, we were like homeless for a month, uh, oh living, living in my, uh, at former in-laws cottage an hour away from Ottawa. It was in the dead of winter. Oh my oh, gosh. It, was, it was so hard. I don't like, I hated change, Bob, when I was okay. that age, I didn't like change. Um, I was uncomfortable and I hated being uncomfortable. I liked being, um, I liked everything just being the way it was only in my forties. Did I truly understand that sitting in my discomfort was the fucking greatest gift that I could, I could give to myself because it is the time it is the, it is the moment I grow. I get asked to do events all the time. And I always say yes to the same things because those are my comfort things. So when I get asked to do weird things now, like, um, be the ringside announcer at wrestling i said yes right and i was i shat myself because i was so goddamn nervous like the fuck am i doing <laughs> this you know what i mean yeah this uh hot ac morning show person what business do i have 
but I did it and it was fun. And those are the moments that I get really scared. I get really nervous then I hate it. And I'm like, oh, I want to cancel everything. And then I do it and I'm like, good, I'm better for it. What made you like, so what happened in your life besides being in your forties? Like what made you go, you know what? I need you. You just said, I need to sit in my discomfort, which I think that's going to resonate with me all day now. Um, like what, <laughs> what made like, cause, cause I think I'm, I don't know. I'm not like, like I'm not a risk taker. Generally speaking. I, I, I think I'm the same way. I think I'm, I like, I like to know where things are going and how things are. What, what happened? Was there, is, is there a moment that you had some epiphany that you were like, you know what? I need to be uncomfortable to learn. There have been many, many moments, but a few like milestone moments. Um, most recently, um, about almost four years ago, my morning show partner of 15 years was let go. And I was given a new morning show partner and I, we, we call it an arranged marriage. You know, <laughs> it was one of those arranged marriages kind, kind of things. Yeah. And for the first eight months, it wasn't going well. Like it was not going well. We were new to each other. We, he was new to the city and I, um, I was uncomfortable every single day going on the radio with someone that I didn't really know. I didn't really know his style. I wasn't really um, the best co-host because I was kind of a bitch. <laughs> because I was, un I was uncomfortable right. with the situation. So I didn't react in the most elegant way, I will say. I mean, it took eight months for me to sit down and we had a drink and we went, ah, fuck it. Let's just do a good morning show. And I, <laughs> I, you know, and I said, I kind of like you. You're kind of a great guy. Why am I being such a fucking, why do I have so many roadblocks? Um, it's because it was change. And they asked us right. to take a, a different direction on the morning show, a different direction on the entire station. And it made me uncomfortable because it, I hadn't been doing that before. And I was terrified that I was going to be one of those old, old people in radio who can't adapt. Right. And uh, that was the hardest part. And then I realized, yeah, of course I can adapt. Everybody can adapt. It's a decision. It's just a decision you make to adapt. So I made the decision to decision to adapt and it was fine. But man, was I uncomfortable for a long time? Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, that you know, like that's such shows such maturity and intelligence and emotional yeah. maturity. No, it really does. Like, I'm a chick. We're all like that, Bob. Ah. All women have pretty solid emotional intelligence. I will say, and I've come to learn that most men don't. I'm sorry, I love you, but uh, most men I've met, not all. There have been some that have been un like have blown my mind, but most men don't have that emotional um, maturity. I, I find. There, I said it. Oh. And I say that now because don't forget, I'm out of a 27 year relationship. Okay. And. Uh, I just, I just know things now. And that, that obviously was a very big change. 27 years is a long time. Fuck, too long, Bob. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and when you talk about sitting in your discomfort, um, so what is it now? We're in September. My marriage officially ended in February when he moved out, although, of course, you know, it was long, long, was over, the, long over before <laughs> then. The but paperwork just wasn't done. Yeah, it yeah. was all the paperwork yeah. and, and it was physically yeah. just moving from yeah. one place to another when it was over. And it was um, it was really great at the beginning. Like the first couple of months, I'm like, this is my fucking chair. <laughs> couch. And guess what? I don't have to watch fucking baseball every goddamn night of the week. Fuck you, hockey. Fuck you, baseball. Fuck you, golf. There you, I, go. you know what I'm going to watch? All the chick shows, watch me. <laughs> and then, but you know, I found that in that time, um, it is an emotional roller coaster ride because it is change. And then it dawns on you, it dawned on me one day, it's like, I really am the architect of my life. I don't need, I don't have a partner. Do I need a partner? The answer is no. 
but I have been conditioned to believe that I need a partner. So I have had to deconstruct all of that. And now I, I and you know, I am also lucky and that I'm financially independent. Yeah. So I, I don't need a second. I mean, Hey, second incomes are great. Don't get me wrong, but I don't need it. I don't need it. So I'm in, I'm not in a position where I'm seeking that out at all. So it has been uncomfortable realize just, just deconstructing everything and realizing who I am and what it is that I want. I am, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that you have a trans, uh, you have a trans child. Um, talk about uh, change. about that change? No. Bob, can I can I be honest with you? Yeah, sure. It, it is such a a non issue in my yeah. house because it's been a long a long. Right. It, it happened. Um, gosh, when he was twelve, and he's yeah. twenty now. Yeah. And it, at the beginning, it was. Um, I'm, I probably pushed it down because I don't. I don't know. I just those were very painful. Painful. I, that first year was an incredibly painful year, not because of his, what he had said, um, only because of the people around sure. us. Yeah, you just want and to protect your kid. You're, you, it, the scariest thing is um, the scariest thing is not being able to control the people. Yeah, you know, because yeah. the kids in school, oh. the parents. He was in hockey at the time. Um, just all, all those social things that were happening, I wanted to go in with my guns blazing, right? Make it all better for him, but he had to, he had to do it on his own. That was the hardest thing, and also the paperwork's a pain in the ass. But don't get me started about that. <laughs> Is there the the... Oh, and the doctor's appointments and all right. of that. There's a lot. There's it's a huge thing to. It, it's thank God we have all of those doctor's appointments and uh, just like psychologists. Yeah. Um, uh, doctors who do the hormones and yep. it was just a team of people who were a great support system for us. Had we not had them, we never would have come out of it. I don't think as well on the other side, but yeah, uh, it was a shit. I can't even believe that wasn't the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm an asshole. <laughs> You'll just tell him. I'll tell him later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go, I'll go on know, his Instagram. Say, Hey, check out, check it out. When you, when you talk about him being trans, uh, he's often said to be mom. I don't know why people want to call me a trans man. I'm just a man now. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you are. Fair it's enough. like, it's, it's such a non-issue and I, I don't have any pictures. Okay. I do of, um, yeah. uh, before he transitioned, of course, they're, they're nowhere in the house. I don't surround myself with them. I don't yeah. need to look at them because he is, uh, perfect the way he is just yeah. perfect. Yeah. It all, it all worked out exactly the way it was supposed to, I think. I think that is uh, like talk about embracing change. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, I say some people, you know, some people seek change out. Some people, you know, ch change seeks them. But like, you have to embrace that change because you're like the 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 feeling of being on the outside looking in had to have been like the hardest part because you have to you have to believe him and support him, but you just want to protect him, right? Like you just want to, totally. yeah. Like it's just, I I, I mean kids are mean motherfuckers like kids can be so mean and it, he was only 12 it's so like it had to be such a crazy crazy time for you and yeah there were some great moments like i think there were more great moments than there were negative moments yeah, but yeah. again as people we all remember the negativity yeah. uh but you know the, the little assholes who would slide into his dms and guys that he played hockey with because he 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 moved from girls hockey to boys hockey and and it was it was hard he was the first uh trans 
player in his league in our right. community. Yeah. So he was a real trailblazer and I'm proud of him. And he, he has taught me more than anybody in the world about being true to yourself and being authentic. And you know what? If you, if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. Uh, so without him, I wouldn't have that attitude. I sound angry when I say it now, but I assure you because I, it's the afternoon and you know, I'm tired now, but I assure you I'm not, I don't have an angry attitude at all, but that is what I think in my head. But you learned a ton from it, right? Uh, I will, I've kept you for 45 minutes, which is about what I said I would. I will ask you about one more thing. Uh, where did motorcycles come into your life with the, where did that change come from? Well, first of all, Bob, I think we all know that I'm a bad bitch. Do we yes. all know this? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. I believe that's what I'm going to put as the uh, a subheading uh, in the in the podcast when we put it in. <laughs> I think people were surprised that I, I actually started riding a motorcycle because, um, I mean, I like to do, I like to wear gowns and I like to wear three inch heels and I like things that sparkle and I wear a full face of makeup every day and I never leave the house without it. And I like to be a fancy bitch. Let's just put that out. Yes. There. All of those things. You are, you are a complex human being, a complex human being. When I was 19 years old, I wanted to ride a motorcycle and I went in, in Montreal and I took the course to ride a motorcycle until my angry Greek father heard about it. And he said, Santa, you are not riding a motorcycle. Nice ladies don't ride motorcycles. <laughs> and I listened to my father and I, 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 I focused on school and I, I just put it aside for a little while. And then a couple of years ago, I got the bug again, maybe three years ago, I got the okay. bug again. Is that one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, three years ago. Sounds good. And then I, uh, you know, um, you know, <laughs> I was going to leave my husband Right. at the time. My first husband, I call him my first husband, not because I think there will be many. I was going to say, how many more are coming? I just feel like ex-husband is too cliche. I don't even like saying the word ex-husband. Okay. Like first, right. first husband is like a bougier way to say it. I <laughs> want to be that girl. So uh, I just, I just, I just change was in the air in my life. And I just thought, you know what? Fuck it. What, what the fuck am I waiting for? Yeah. The fuck am I going to be 60 years old riding a motorcycle? So I took the course, I got my license and on a, on a Sunday. And then on a Friday, I had a motorcycle that I drove home. I didn't even tell my first husband. I just bought it and brought it home. And I went, Amazing. look at my and then things went downhill no i'm kidding (laughs) and then the marriage ended uh sandra plagakis you truly are uh one of the best broadcasters i've ever known in my life well you you haven't known many a little prick (laughs) um you're also one of the one of the most wonderful human beings i've ever had the pleasure of knowing and uh, I'll take that one. Thanks. Yeah, you really are. I'm, Bob, and you are too, because you are, when we had that conversation at Sandals yeah. a year and a half ago, I mean, it'd been so long since you and I had had yeah. like a, anytime. Con- yeah, like 20 years since we yeah, really yeah. had a conversation. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful human being that you are as well. You're so open. You're so LGBTQ plus like um, knowledgeable and friendly, like you're just such a great ally as well. And that's what, what struck me, just how open you are. And uh, you have a good little heart on you, Bob. Oh, thank you very much. Sandy P kiss 100.1. What not? Well, I went, <laughs> Jesus Christ, do your homework. Kiss 105.3. Kiss 105.3 uh, uh, in Ottawa. Or of course you could probably ask, you know, your uh, little speakers or whatever to, to listen to it. You should listen to this woman. She's hilarious. And uh, I am very lucky to have you come on this little podcast of mine. Thank you very much. Thanks for getting me in in the top 50, Bob. I'm honored, really. We got to stop making changes. This has been Bob's Basements. Thanks for listening. That's the way it is. For more information, email Bob at bobwillette at gmail.com. That's bobwillette, like Gillette.
with a W. Follow Bob on Twitter at Bob Willets. Bob's Basement is available where you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time. Well, that's the way it is.